It's Thursday, December 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by the one, the only Motley Fool analyst, Ron Gross. Ron, it is just you and me. That's all we need, Mac. We're good. We got this. That is all we need. Let's hope that the sum is greater than the parts. I mean, the parts are impressive, but I think let's let's go for a sum that's, a that's lot even of, greater. That's a lot of math we've got to get done here. <laughs> well, Ron, speaking of math, we have a new IPO. And yes, Ron, it involves a company automating and digitizing financial operations for small and mid-sized businesses. That sounds important. And we will also talk about some of the year's other IPOs, the hot and the not-so-hot. But we begin with Lululemon, the maker of yoga wear and other athletic apparel. Shares down around 4% today at the time of our taping. And Ron, that surprised me because they post better than expected earnings and same store sales up 17% for the quarter, but concerns over the fourth quarter outlook. Yeah, this is a very strong report in and of itself. Investors are focusing on their guidance for the holiday season. That's weaker than folks had hoped for. I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here because last year's quarter actually had an extra week. So the comparisons look a little bit worse than they will actually be if you compare apples to apples rather than apples to weeks. <laughs> but, but, Still, when you have a stock that's done this well, 80% increase just this year alone, uh, priced pretty high relative to other retailers or specialty retailers, um, you have to do everything right, or you're going to get the stock's going to get hit a little bit. But looking looking just at the quarter, still very very impressive as as you noted, um, revenue up 23% with comp sales up 17, um, comp store sales just for the stores up 10%, direct to consumer up 29%. Now that that's 27% of sales now, so they're doing a nice job of increasing that over time. Uh, margins were were up um, a bit, and that led to a Earnings per share increase of 28%. Uh, it's a very, very strong report. Eight straight quarters of double digit growth in comp sales. Um, you can't fault them. They're, they're executing quite well. Okay, but I hear you on all that, Ron. But I want to go back to what you were saying about the, the calendar. Essentially, you're saying some of these analysts who are following this company can't do math or they haven't done the math? Well, I don't know. I saw one analyst who pointed out, which was great. Some of the other analyst notes I did not see mention of it. It's hard to say why a stock sells off. Is that because of analysts? Is that because of retail investors, uh, funds? Uh, Again, this stock is priced kind of to perfection here. So, any kind of weakness or perceived weakness sometimes leads people to take money off of the table. That's typically not how we invest as fools. We invest for long periods of time, and we don't like little blips here and there um, get us too bent out of shape. But we are trading, uh, I want to say it's around 45, 46 times 2019 guidance. Um, and for a yoga pants retailer, that's a big number. And other athletic apparel. And yes, the other that's the important part. But yeah, let's yeah. talk a bit more about that because as you mentioned, the stock has been on fire almost yeah. a double over the last year. Um, by comparison, Nike up around 30, 30% over the last year. So not shabby, but Lululemon crushing Nike. Lululemon up four times in value over the past five years. Um, Nike has doubled over that same time. So it has been a monster. 
Yeah. Um, so they're they're very different companies. Business models are similar, but but quite different. Lulu really is a specialty retailer, and Nike does a lot more things, selling into a lot more uh, distribution channels. Um, but it's fine if we want to use them as comparisons. Nike, obviously, a much much bigger company. I've been around for for a much longer period of time. Its growth, it's it's more mature. It doesn't have uh, growth uh, like the ones like the growth rates we see Lulu putting up. And you can see it in the multiples. You can see it. You know, Nike. Trading at around 30 times, which is still a relatively big number, um, higher than the market's multiple. Um, but the growth is just not there. You can look across Nike's income statement and look at their operating income, and it's pretty much around $4.5 billion, give or take a little bit each year. Um, single digit growth here, some single digit growth there. Um, I own it. It's a great company, but it's not going to be putting up 20, 30% growth numbers. Okay. And one of the storylines on Lululemon was they have a growing men's business. Ron, are you a potential customer? Have you done <laughs> yoga? Do you do yoga? My wife does yoga, I want to say, pretty much every day. And she begs me to join her, and I so far have declined. Um, but I definitely could benefit from it. I don't know if I would choose to buy $100 yoga pants um, as a test. Seems I think, pricey. I think I would dip my toe in the water with something a little, little, uh, little cheaper. But you know, I was pretty skeptical when Lulu introduced men's. Um, I, if we went back and, and listened to the tape, I'm, I'm sure I said some snarky things there, but um, I was wrong. It's doing pretty well. The traction they've received is is impressive, and it's it's becoming a nice part of that business. But I won't be a customer anytime soon. Okay. Well, I've started doing a little yoga nice. as part of our full fitness yeah. here, and it is nice. The child's pose. I'm really strong with the child's pose. You're basically just kind of <laughs> collapsed in a puddle on the floor, and that's great. But then when it turns to downward dog, and especially that's, the ooh. pigeon, oh. The pigeon is a crusher. There's one move where you just lie back on your back and kind of close your eyes and fall asleep. I'm I'm really good at that. Oh, that's one. good. That's kind of the child's pose. Isn't quite like that, but I mean, I kind of do the child's pose already. I mean, the only thing missing is like a beer, but you know, you can't have it all. As someone who cannot touch their toes, I could definitely benefit from yoga. I could benefit too. I just haven't too. I haven't gotten there yet. I want to bring Dan Boyd, our producer, and Dan Boyd. Do you do yoga, and what would it take, if you're not a Lululemon shopper, what would it take to get you into a Lululemon store? Uh, I do not do yoga. Uh, the, the one time I tried yoga, I threw my back out the very next day, so I've been hesitant to go back. Uh, what would get me into a Lululemon store? Probably a sale, like a good sale. Okay. Uh, I don't really n know what they have offer for men, though. Like, I'm not about to go get some leggings. Okay, you just you not, feel like that, that time has passed you by. Or? Maybe if they have some nice shorts, perhaps okay. that okay. could be that could be good. But I don't I don't know what their offerings are for men. You could yeah. go in and buy a gift. Ooh, nice for, for your wife. Nice. I uh, you know I, I I try to keep my gifts for my wife non clothing related. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that because makes I feel sense. that there are a lot of pitfalls involved in buying clothing <laughs> for your significant other. That's fair. You're a smart man. As we wrap this up, I guess the key question that I always ask is, what does Lululemon have? That Costco doesn't. <laughs> and if you can answer a that, a high price point. Oh, okay. And okay. The, the quality is pretty good too. Oh, details. Come on, you can't <laughs> have it all. Okay. Well, let's move on to the IPO market. We have a new IPO on the scene. Bill.com making its debut today, Ron. Now, as I mentioned in the open, Bill.com is a provider of cloud-based software that automates back office operations for mid and small businesses and mid-sized businesses. Now, Ron, Bill.com's IPO priced above the range 
What does that mean? Well, um, when investment bankers go around and shop a new public offering, uh, they set a valuation of what they think they can sell the stock to the public at. And the range in this particular case was $16 to $18 per share. And as they go around and shop it and do their, their road show and talk to institutional investors, they get a gauge on what the supply looks what the demand I should say looks like relative to the supply of stock that they have to offer. And if it appears that there's a really big appetite, just like with anything supply and demand related, you can actually raise the price. Uh, in this case they did. Instead of sixteen to eighteen range, they actually raised the price to twenty two dollars per share, which is where they went public at or, or will when it starts trading. And in addition to that, instead of offering 8.8 .8 million shares to the public, they decided they could increase it by a million shares to 9.8 million. So, not only a higher price, but more stock offered to the public as well. So, they were able to raise $216 million versus their original thought of raising only $150 million. We'll see how the stock trades, not only on its first couple of days of trading, but you know, over time as well. But uh, just from a money raise perspective, this was this was a successful uh, this was a successful IPO. Okay, and in talking about how the stock trades, so if you're the company that first day, you want the stock to go up a bit. You want it. You want to get some kind of positive buzz, right? But you don't want it to go up too much because that means that it was mispriced and you left money on the table. Yeah, theoretically, if if you see a stock jump. Yeah, twenty percent, thirty percent, even more. We've seen sometimes. Um, you say, well, well, gosh, I looks like I could have sold the stock at a much higher price in that IPO, and and we left a bunch of money off the table. And you call up your investment bankers and you say, what the heck happened here? How how did we misread the market to this extent? And you know, investment bankers. Want to get the deal done? They want to make sure it's robust. They want to make sure the stock is supported in the marketplace because you don't want the 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 price to go lower than your IPO. That 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 looks bad, and it's really considered to be an unsuccessful IPO if that happens. So you know, it's 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 a it's tough to accurately gauge the supply and demand characteristics. But if you're really far off, it appears that. A little bit of a mistake may have been made. And Ron, let's pull the lens back a bit and talk about the IPO market this year in general, because some of the higher profile IPOs, well, they've been some doggy IPOs. We've got Uber, Lyft, Slack, Smile Direct, all trading below their IPO price. They all IPO this year. On the other hand, you have Beyond Meat and yep. you have some successful IPOs. Yeah, the the first half of the year was a little bit more successful. I feel in the second half, I think some fatigue set in. Some or perhaps some companies went public that maybe shouldn't have. Um, we saw WeWork actually have to pull their IPO when cooler heads prevailed a bit. Um, but you know, overall, there have been some pretty successful IPOs in 2019. The uh, the Renaissance. IPO ETF is actually up 30% this year, which is beating the market as a whole, which you may not think would be the case wow. when you think about Lyft or Uber or SmileDirect, even companies like Peloton Revolve or Levi Strauss, which are basically unchanged, give or take a dollar here or there from their IPO price. But as you said, when you get into Beyond Meat, which has tripled, uh, Zoom, which has doubled, a couple uh, biotech pharmaceutical type companies, uh, that have have doubled, or in one case, one tripled. You start to see that hmm, maybe the the IPO market isn't as bad as as the perception. And as we wrap this up, Ron, and we look at Bill.com, or we look at any new IPO, do you have any rules that you follow? Any general guidelines for how to invest, how to approach an IPO? 
Well, I typically don't like to invest in an actual IPO. I like the company to come public, um, get it, you know, get its feet wet a bit. I like to follow it, see how things are evolving, and then make a decision. Um, but I would, in general, um, evaluate an IPO just like I would any company, um, based on revenues, profits, and cash flow, and potential growth rate. You know, it's interesting this Bill.com. Uh, IPO. It's a pretty successful company. Um, a lot of great customers, a lot of great partners. Only 108 million dollars in revenue, and not profitable yet. Although they're getting close. Um, I'm a guy who likes profits and cash flow. If I think that they're going to build and and grow into profits and cash flow to not only support the current valuation but allow for the stock to go up in the future, then that would be the kind of thing that would interest me. And I like the name. Straightforward. I'm I'm a straightforward guy. Bill. <laughs> Bill. Like, uh, let me know guy, what you're the doing. The founder's name is Bill. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. And they decided William.com right. just didn't yeah, make it, any sense. Exactly. That's good. That is. It's a free show, people. Okay. So the desert island question. You're on a desert island, and you've got to invest in one of these stocks for the next five years. Let's go Lululemon, Bill.com, and let's throw in some other IPOs. Mm. Uber, Lyft. Smiled around. Oh boy, oh boy, um, yeah, that's not an easy one. I'm surprised you're hesitating. I thought you were gonna go Lulu yeah, just yeah, right yeah, off the bat. I was. I don't like 46 times for a specialty retailer in any way, shape, or form. To be honest with you, but I Bill.com is too new. Lyft and Uber's business models trouble me, and Smile Direct is a dud. So I think I think you're right. I do have to go Lulu. Would you say Lululemon's valuation is a stretch? <laughs> It is a bit of a stretch. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. That's marketfoolery.fool.com. Dan Boyd is just nodding disapprovingly. You know, As well on. he should. I'm so I I don't know why we let you do this after <laughs> jokes like that. I really don't. What joke? I'm just talking about, you know, stretch goals, rich valuations. Come on, come on. I apologize. Would you say that the uh, valuation of Lululemon, Ron, has yep. some stretch marks? Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I got to nice. get out of here. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> Sorry. Always <laughs> a pleasure, Mac. Okay. As always, thanks, Ron. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Green. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a... Greasy black peel Just raise the music, you're a monster Mr. Grinch Your heart's an empty hole Your brain is full of spiders You've got garlic in your soul
your smile You have all the tender sweetness the choice between the two of you, I would take the Seasick Crocodile! Socks and your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three best words I would use to describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stay. 